Awesome. How fun. So if you're visiting, I'm one of the pastors at Adventure. Last week, Zach set us up. Zach talked about Jesus showing his disciples the full extent of his love. And that was so important, especially as we look at this next chapter, because this next chapter, chapter 14, begins the last three and a half days of Jesus' life. The Gospel of John is unique in that it, it doesn't line up with, with the other narratives like Mark, Luke, and Matthew, because John takes a different camera angle. And today, he starts to prepare his disciples for, for trouble, for hardship, for difficulty. And here's the deal. They're thinking everything's about ready to get perfect. It's about everything. Everything is going to be smooth. Everything's going to be fun. And yet, what they don't realize, it's about ready to get humiliating. It's about ready to get um, stressful because Jesus is about ready to be betrayed by one of their own. He's about ready to be martyred in Jerusalem. I know you didn't come for a gory message, but sometimes God's working and we assume that everything's just going to get better. It's like, ah, it's going to be great. Everything's perfect. Things up a little bit. So the question we're going to try to answer this morning is how can you move panic to peace? How can you move from panic to peace? Because the truth is that these disciples are about ready to be exposed to their, in some cases, their own savings being being uh, taken from them, their own network of relationships because they're believing in Jesus, participate in church, which in the first century was synagogue. Some of them were going to be arrested. Some of them were going to be beat. Some of them were going to be even martyred here in the first few years of the early church. And so Jesus is trying to prepare them. How can you move from panic to peace when things are going, things are awry, right? How do you maintain joy when things are going crazy? So that's where we're going to be this morning. I, I tell you, this passage resonates with me because of the kind of comfort, the kind of presence, the kind of um, hope that we can have as believers but at the same time, I've got to acknowledge that, honestly, something's in the water in our global culture. I had a chance to have a conversation with an Australian psychologist over the summer, and I just asked him, I said, hey, have you noticed in Australia that anxiety and stress seems to be increasing? And he said, oh, yeah. I said, why do you suppose that is? He said, it's because of our online bully culture our social media bully culture. We just live in this culture where you have access to so much information and some of it is so aggressive and has such a bully nature to it that sometimes your mind might be able to take it in, but your body may not. It's too much sometimes. It's overstimulation. Can any of you relate to that? It's like you read stuff, you see it, and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But it affects you physically, emotionally. And so I, everyone processes stress differently, okay? And there's no shame on how you process stress this morning. I myself have had to grow in stress management, and I hope that you can at least see some hope on how Jesus can meet you right where you're at in your ability to manage stress and 
can be there with you and help you grow and expand your capacity to handle stress, right? Don't we all want to get a little better at that, at handling stress, so that you're not, you know, yeah, okay? All right. How many of you have a spouse that sometimes goes, no, never mind, we're not going to answer that question. All right. So with that, so again, the context is this. Jesus has prepared his, has shown his disciples the extent of his love. He washed their feet. And now he's going to tell them how to move from panic to peace. Okay? So here's, we're going to read the narrative together. And let me tell you, what you're going to, what you're going to know today in a sentence is this. You absolutely have to have this friend Jesus. You absolutely have to live with this friend Jesus because he's dynamic in ways that you may not realize. There, I'm not going to go deep into it, but there is some deep theology in this passage about the nature of Jesus. I'll try to be simple and efficient this morning and clear. So we're going to read the narrative and of John, verses 1 through 31. If you have your Bible, you can take it out. If you have the insert in your program, you can take that out. The font size is between a 4 and a 6, so if you're struggling to see it, it's not your vision. It's just we try to get it all in there. Okay, so have a little fun with that, all right? Do not let your hearts be troubled, okay? Again, Jesus is three and a half days away from his crucifixion, okay? His followers are about ready to face their world being turned upside down, okay? Humiliation, confiscation of property, scattering, everything. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, say it with me. See, he, w- he wanted that kind of recognition. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And the description and revelation of that place is awesome, awesome. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be... Our future is to be with Jesus. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, this is doubting Thomas, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Cups always half full for Thomas. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. What is the heavenly fa- who is the heavenly father? What is he like? He's just like Jesus. Jesus and the heavenly father, just alike. You wonder what God our father is like? Jesus is the full personification of the father. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Who's he talking about? Himself. Everything you would wonder about God is, is palpable and visible in Jesus. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. We're good. You show us the Father. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. What? Yeah. You have the fullness of the character of the Father before you in Jesus. The same Father in the the Old Testament that's described as slow to anger, full of compassion, full of mercy, is full. 
because some people like him and some people don't like him. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Does God do work in the same way that God did work through Jesus? Does he, does he do work through us? I believe so. I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who's doing the work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So Jesus is going to multiply his ministry through his disciples. They're going to be spread throughout the whole Roman world. And I believe in this day and age that we live, just like any since the resurrection of Jesus, that God is still doing all the work through us that he did in Jesus. That, the, that his spirit has gifted all of us in the same way that the early church was gifted. The only exception, if you're following me on this, the only gifts that I don't believe are available to the church is the gift of inerrancy. That means the ability to speak God's word and write it, and it is a thus saith the Lord. Okay? We don't need anyone else to write the Bible. We're good. Okay. <clears throat> and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So Jesus is saying here, if you're you're asking in the name of Jesus, and it's according to his will, he'll, he'll act. He'll do. He'll answer your prayer. All right, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. This is the third section. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Let me just pause there. That's like, a, that's like a legal assistant. That's like legal counsel. That's like an attorney, a defense attorney, a defense attorney. You need Jesus' lawyer here. That's what's happening. Okay? <clears throat> to help you and be with you forever. And in the next, the spirit of truth. That's his That's his metric, truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. The gift of the Holy Spirit that comes in the believer that places faith in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. The advocate, the lawyer, the assistant lives in you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. Ooh, you hear that? The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. That's us. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot. So easy to judge, isn't it? Oh, another. When's the last time someone named their kid Judas? Do we have a Judas in the audience? Not a popular name, is it? 
Isn't he cute? What's his name? Judas. Who'd you name her after? Oh, the betrayer of Jesus. We're so proud. No, but this is not, this is not Judas Iscariot. This is another Judas. Amazing. There was more than one. It's crazy. So not Iscariot said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Why aren't you going public? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to them and make our home with them. Did you hear that? The plurality of God? We, the Father and the Son, come to a believer and make residence with us on earth. Okay? <clears throat> and with that residency comes a proclamation of the gospel. We become blessings to our neighbors and our coworkers because Christ lives in us. And make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the advocate is who? He's the lawyer, the Holy Spirit. And in the New Testament, we learned this is the Spirit of Jesus. All the same. The comforter, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. All synonymous. Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. Say that? Oh, no. Oh, I did not mean to say that. Do I send that email? That doesn't feel right. I'm going to get in trouble for that. Do I say that? Oh, no. Oh, I did not mean to say that. It's the Holy Spirit saying, eh, eh, ooh, ooh, do, 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 do. Okay. He says, Irene, peace I leave you. I love the word. The Greek word for peace is Irene. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give peace like the world gives. Then he ends how he started. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And, hmm. So he's telling folks, don't be afraid when the emperor Nero puts a price on your head. Let's just, let's just consider how much faith he's asking them to put in in him himself, okay? All right. You have heard me say, I am going away and I'm coming back to you. By the way, Jesus is coming back. And if he doesn't come back in our lifetime, we get to go be with him. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming, the devil, Satan. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. And what did the Father command of him? The cross, to suffer a substitutionary death for all of man's sins. So our faith in God wouldn't be based on what we do, but on what he has accomplished on the cross what he's done. Come now, let us leave. So Jesus is about business. Let's get to work. He's got, he's got three and a half days left in his ministry, and he's trying to help his disciples prepare for trouble that's ahead. Now, I'm not, I try not to be negative or paranoid, but I like to be ready. Don't you? Do anybody like being blindsided or surprised by trouble? No, none of us do. So how do, we, how, do we, how do we move from panic to peace 
when stuff is kind of awry and unexpected going to experience tough trauma. Martyrdom in their group within a few years, there would be at least one martyr. So here's the first. I've, I've said from the beginning, you absolutely have to live with this friend Jesus. You, you, if you want to enjoy life at the fullest, you have to live with this friend Jesus. Here's the first way you do that. Live with Jesus' word. And we know his words, his literally, his, his literal words. And we know how valuable his spoken word is. He's described as the one who spoke everything into existence. And remember in John chapter 1, the first chapter where we started, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and that he is referring to Jesus. And so his words are uber important in our lives when it comes to moving from panic to peace. Well, how do we, how do we actually find the kind of peace that he's offering in his words? Let me give you a couple steps here. The first is to recognize that Jesus is the solution for moving you from panic to peace. His words can alleviate your anxiety. And what we want to say is let Jesus meet you in your anxiety. Let him meet you there. Let him come alongside you there. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, and then what did he say? Believe also in me. Believe also in me. We have a dear sister in our church who will turn 90 in December. Her name's Bonnie Schaefer. She gave me permission to share this story. And Bonnie's a wonderful, wonderful woman. Uh, she's a God-fearing woman. She's been with us a long time. I was with her yesterday morning. And it is true that she has had, she's had uh, marketers call her asking for, hey, can we talk to you and sell you, you know, upgrade your direct TV. And recently she said, I'm 90 years old and I'm dying. <laughs> she's, she's just a fun gal. But you know what, you know what she says often? I so want to go home. I want to go home and be with Jesus. I want to go home. And you know, folks reach that, that stage in their life as they get older. They just want to go home. She just wants to be home with the Lord. The world overwhelm her. She can put her trust in Jesus. And that's not just something that's in her head. It's come down to her heart. She really has, she doesn't just, she doesn't just think it when Jesus says, believe in God, believe also in me. She's allowed it to move from her head to her heart. Okay, and she's ready to meet the Lord. How do you need to believe in Jesus very, very heartfully? Secondly, we, we also learn that Jesus is the window on eternity. He says, I go and prepare a place for you. In Revelation, the description of heaven, it's this 1,400 mile by 1,400 mile by 1,400 mile high house. It's 1,400 miles high. We get to go there. Some of you are claustrophobic. It's going to be a city. I'm sorry. You'll, your body, you'll have a new body. You won't, you won't get claustrophobic, but it is going to be surreal to be there with him. 
Jesus has given us a word on eternity. That may not mean a lot to you, but when you lose people that are close to you, it means the world. You get to say, you know what? They may not, they may not heal or recover, but they're going to go be with the Lord so that I can go be with them too. Great, great hope. Jesus gives us a window on, on eternity. And finally, he gives us a word of certainty. He says, where I am, you will be also. You're, when, you, when you go, when you die, the scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord immediately. There's no delay. You're not shipped off on some cargo bay where you wait. You're immediately with the Lord so that where he is, you will be. Jesus is trying to give his disciples an ability to stay calm in the midst of what is a looming storm. He's trying to meet them right where they're at, even though they don't even realize what's about to happen. Okay, so what's the real action step here? Here's what I would say. You've got to let Jesus' words be reality in your life, not just fantasy or fable. You've got to be willing to take a hard look at his words and say, hey, this is more than just going to church. This is letting his words really find their residency in our minds and in our hearts. How do you do that? I would say twofold. Number one, memorize some scripture. Literally put it to memory in your head so that when troubles come, you can say, do not be anxious for anything. But by prayer and supplication, let your request will guard to God with thanksgiving and the peace of God that, compre- that passes all comprehension will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. It's memorizing scripture. Or when you're afraid, you, you remember God's words to Joshua. Do not be afraid. Do Be strong and courageous. Do not turn to the left or to the right, for the Lord your God is with you. I say it again, do not be afraid. You get that in your word, it goes to your heart, and you're like, ah, okay. (laughs) I might get fired tomorrow, but it's okay, right? You're getting Jesus' words in your head, and they get in your heart. And all of a sudden, when they get in your heart, you're like, Monty, I just look forward to being home with Jesus, being home with the Lord being with him. And if you're not ready to go be with the Lord, we don't want anyone to expedite that, to be with the Lord here now, in the midst of difficulty, to be with the Lord here now, in the midst of difficulty. Now, I want to I just say, down in Southern California over the weekend, a, a pastor that our youth pastor is, is knows is a guy named Andrew who was leading a church of about 2,500. He's a couple years older than Zach, and he tried to take his life over the weekend. Everything was going perfect. I mean, the church is growing. Things couldn't be better, but there was stuff going on right now. He's on his life that, that, that made it unmanageable. He tried to take his life right now. He's on life support. Keep him and his family in your prayers. He has, he's married. He has two kids, 27 years old. The reason I share that with you is I think sometimes we, we just can trivialize how, how stress really does get to us, and it affects empathetic around those who are going through stress. You may be kind of a linear Vulcan type, Star Trek Vulcan, where you, don't, you have no emotion. It's just the way you're wired. I feel nothing. Everything's fine. That's, it's just a flesh wound. You, you know, your, your arms are falling off. You're, you, you just handle things much different. Stop it. 
You want to be more empathetic and listening around those that are experiencing stress. And let me say what I think is one of the best stressed busters there is. It's surrounding yourself with some unconditionally loving friends. Some people who will be there with you no matter what. Just like Zach referenced last week. Jesus showed his disciples the full extent of his love. He washed their feet. And some of them were like, like how we feel when someone loves us. Peter said, don't touch my feet. You're not going to wash me. Jesus says, if you don't let me wash you, we're, gonna, we're not going to have a relationship. And he's like, immerse me, shower me, right? Here's the deal. We not only need to be willing to give empathy when people are going through panic and stress, we need to be willing to receive it. And so make yourself available. Memorize scripture, and then here's the next big action step. Circle up in a group. And if you're not in a group with some fellow Christians that are really bringing the best out of you, you know, you're the average of your, of your, of your five closest friends, get in a group. And we have groups here. You can sign up for one this morning just on your Connect card. Just put your name and say, put me in a group and tell us how to contact you. You got to be in a group. Here's why. You absolutely have to live with this friend Jesus, and he's going to He's going to help you become what you were designed to be through his body, through the body of other believers. Got to get into a group, okay? Right now, if you don't want to be in a group, just turn to your neighbor and say, it's not going to happen. I want you to reconsider. Okay, so the first is live with Jesus' words. Memorize them. Memorize key verses, and it'll really help you. And then connect with some believers by circling up in a group. That is going to help you live in a, with certainty with this friend Jesus. You must do everything you can to live with this friend Jesus. Now, here's the second reason. Live with Jesus' backstage pass to the Father. Jesus has unique access to the Father, to, the, to our Heavenly Father. That's why he taught us when you pray, go into your room, shut the door behind you, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. If you're in Christ, you have unusual access to the Father. You know, the Hebrews that preceded the Christian message in the first century did not have the access that we have. Upon the resurrection of Christ, metaphorically, we saw the curtain between the holy place and the most holy place was torn. It It was showing that God has made himself fully accessible by all of us. You have tremendous access to God your Father. And today I'm going to ask you to actually put your biggest expectations on your Heavenly Father. Put your biggest expectations in your life, your dreams, your hopes, your concerns on your Heavenly Father because He cares for you deeply. Here's, Here's where we start. We have new access. We have new access to our Heavenly Father. Jesus said, you're going to know my Father. How are you going to know the Father? Jesus said this, you've known me. You're going to know the Father. He's slow to get angry. He's full of compassion. He's full of mercy. You're going to know the Father. Secondly, you're going to be able to do new actions. New actions. You're going to be able to do stuff you you never imagined when you are being, when you're working with the Father, when you're joining the Father in His work. 
And I want to tell you, we saw this this week. We've been so excited that in the last couple of weeks, we finished our first tiny house for a homeless Marine vet we introduced last weekend to services. It was so exciting. Yeah, so cool. And last week, this picture of, really, this is the face of our Compassion 365 ministry. It's Robin Moore. And she, she didn't realize, she didn't realize, and this, you should see the interior of this house. You can see it on Angelique Aspie's um, City Council Facebook. Angelique is one of our sisters here in Christ. And Robin didn't know that when, when Angelique took her picture that 6,000 other people would view it. Uh, in a matter of minutes on Facebook, but you should see all of the attaboys and attagirls to adventurers who invested in this online. It's just really exciting. Jesus knew that we would, that his disciples would do greater things here in Northern California. Jesus has a vision for, had a vision for his ministry multiplying and others getting to do greater things that he himself in a limited body couldn't do. Does that make sense? He knew greater things would happen. Uh, and, and he also says in this passage that we have uh, new authority. You pray and I will do it. And I got to tell you, I've been, I was, I've been pretty impressed. I have this, one of my sons, Grant, he gave me permission to share the story, believes that when he prays for people, they're healed, for real. And I told him I can't wait to get sick. Uh, but he, he, he says, Dad, it's, it's crazy. He says, the other day I was at In-N-Out Burger working, and he uh, hip, and I thought, what is that from? He's not playing football anymore. And he, uh, he felt like the Lord told him, it's that coworker. Go pray for her. She's got pain in her hip. So he's like, this is an awkward In-N-Out Burger conversation. But of course he did it probably while he was shredding fries, shredding potatoes, and he went up to her and he said, hey, is your hip hurting? She said, yeah, how'd you know? He said, uh, the Lord told me. She's like, whoa. <laughs> and he said, can I pray for you? And she said, sure. And so he, he prayed for her right there and her hip was healed right there on the spot. And it's, it, it was, it's just, he feels like he has that kind of calling. And then he went to San Francisco the next day with some of his team members and there was a, a homeless man there who was blind and who had uh, rheumatoid, couldn't move his hand. He prayed for the guy's hand. It started, he, it was fine, no pain. And then he said, Dad, I didn't have the faith to pray that his sight be returned. But here's the deal. When we pray, when you pray for people, you have no idea how God's going to respond to your prayers. When you pray for people, and here at Adventure, we challenge adventurers every day, every morning. I did this this morning to bless your neighbors and coworkers. And here's how you do it. You begin each day with prayer. That's a win. If you only do that, that's a win. You, you listen to what's going on around you at work and your neighbors. You eat with people when you get an opportunity. We need to eat more with people, not alone. We're eating plenty, okay? <laughs> And then we serve people when we get an opportunity. And then when we get, when the Holy Spirit tells us it's the right moment, we share our Jesus story. Your story's the best, best evidence for, for Christianity. And so here's the deal. By being mindful of this, it's not what you know. It's not who you know. It's who knows you. 
It's your heavenly Father who knows you and loves you. And this is what I say. Put your biggest expectations in life on your heavenly Father. Put them on Him. Look to Him. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, Jesus' brother James said. Look to Him to provide. Put the pressure on Him. Ask Him boldly. You've got new access. Do you need another example? Authority. There's new actions available to us. Does that, do you get that? Do you need another example? <clears throat> I shouldn't have asked that question. <laughs> I heard one recently of this guy named, this attorney named Bob who's, it's Goff, Bob Goff, is that sound right? Um, prominent in international justice. I mean, it's, it's, if you ever get a chance to YouTube this guy, Bob Goff, just an amazing communicator, very humble man, dynamic, dynamic guy. But what I heard was that the law school that he wanted to get into, he didn't, he didn't qualify for. And uh, he went to the admissions department and just sat there day after day after day after day after day after day after day trying to tell them, I, I've got this. I can do this. I know I don't qualify, but I can do this. And because of his faith, I would say because of his faith in what his father could do, he was given admission to the school. He graduated with, at, from law school and has been an incredibly effective man on our planet, actually. Not on your... Put your highest expectations in life. Not on your spouse. Not on your earthly father. Not on your supervisor. Not on your company. Put your high expect, highest expectations on your heavenly father to provide. To guide. Where God guides, he provides. He's guiding you. He's going to provide for you. Put them on him. <clears throat> Isn't she sweet? That gal is amazing. She puts her confidence in her heavenly father. Number three, here's how you move from panic to peace. And I'm telling you again, the bottom line is you absolutely have to live with this guy, Jesus, because he's the word of God, because he's has given you access, backstage, backstage access to the Father. And finally, you have to live with Jesus' lawyer's spirit. You absolutely have to live with Jesus' lawyer, the spirit, better said. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' lawyer, the one who will defend you. And I saw this happen in the last year. This is the prime minister of Cambodia who responded to a CNN um, interview where evidently someone on a CNN interview, I'm not trashing CNN, uh, someone on CNN spoke disrespectfully to the nation of Cambodia. And we have workers that we support here, one that used to be on staff here, one of them is my former boss, that is serving in Cambodia, Swipok. They're rescuing girls from sex trafficking. Right now, by the way, they're building a campus for 1,500 students 
that can help equip students, educate them, and get them into the market making money so their parents aren't tempted to sell them for money. Well, this, this dialogue happened, I believe, in this calendar year. And I double-checked with Julie Harold, who used to be on staff here, who's the COO of, of, of Agape International Missions. And she said, it's true. This prime minister, and I have his name written down, but I'm not going to say it because you'll never remember it. I don't remember it. But he said that AIM has to leave our country. He said that at the beginning of this year. They got to leave. They've insulted our country. And you know that Don, the, the, the CEO, and Julie, Don's wife, Bridget, they're all like, what? What? Their whole ministry was to, to save girls. They saved, they've saved like over 300 girls. Some of them have been students at William Jessup. And this prime minister spoke, and they prayed, and they leaned on the Spirit, the advocate, Jesus' lawyer to defend them. You can see the vulnerability that they were in. And uh, within a couple months, the government relented and said, actually, we really need you here. What are we saying? You're you're helping develop our communities. We want you here. And here, I think, is the real take-home of this passage. The real take-home of this passage is to understand that the Holy Spirit is like your, your attorney, your lawyer. Our nature, when things go wrong, is to defend ourselves, isn't it? To get defensive, to speak up, to like, what? What are you doing? When's the last time you, you've had someone say something critical of you? How do you respond? Ugh, right? Oh, just me? And we have to be willing to wait and trust on the Spirit to have the last word. And that's what happened in Cambodia this year. We have to acknowledge that we have been given a new presence. And that presence is, as Jesus described, it's with us forever. The Holy Spirit is, that's in us will be with us forever. How do you know you have the Holy Spirit? If you've believed on Jesus Christ for, your, uh, for the expungement of your sins and for the hope of eternal life, if you've confessed with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you, you've been given the Spirit. That spirit will be with you now and forevermore. And secondly, you are given protection. That spirit is not only alongside you like an advocate, that spirit comes in you. Isn't that what Jesus said? Remember going back to the scripture reading? That spirit is with you and that spirit is. And that that spirit being in you gives you Kathy Mux in the face of difficulty. I've, I've mentioned her several times. Kathy McCarty our nurse practitioner from Zapastupol has endured leading a hospital that services 30,000 patients a year in rural Zimbabwe. 30,000. They delivered 1,636 HIV-free children in 2017. Their budget is $120,000 a year. My friend Zach told me yesterday that his ER budget is $33 million a year here. You know how long she's endured that dictatorship? 38 years she's been there. 
God expects us to endure difficulty because he's protected us by his spirit. Do you have that kind of hope, that kind of protection? Finally, do you have that kind of peace? Jesus says this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I got to tell you, I get afraid. I get afraid over little things. The other day I had to get on the scale for the first time in a while. I was very much afraid. I'm not kidding you. It stresses me out. I don't like gaining weight and boy, have I hit it out of the park. (laughs) But I got to tell you that that fear is something that can really grip your heart. Jesus is telling us, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. (laughs) It's easier said than done sometimes. How do we do this? And I would say it's this. It's by being mindful. It's by by replacing anxious thoughts with hopeful thoughts. A lot of of it is the, the way you have a chance to let Jesus be with you in your head. Is to surround, is is to, to memorize his word, get his word in your head is to surround yourself with believers who love you and to replace anxious thoughts with hopeful thoughts. You ever notice while you're driving? You ever sit there and think, oh, what if that guy just swerved right in front of me? What if that guy just swerved right in front of me? You keep thinking that? All of a sudden, you're like, oh my gosh, he's going to swerve. No, he's fine. He's not even looking at you. If someone gets up right now, please don't do it, and says, fire, your mind is going to control your body. You're out of here, right? Am I moving too fast? Your mind controls your body. And so you want to get the word in your mind to calm your body down. Get the word in your mind to calm your body down. And replace hopeful thoughts, excuse me, hopeless thoughts with hopeful thoughts. Don't sit around and and analyze how bad stuff's going to be. And don't watch the news for more than a minute a day. (laughs) It's not helpful. Don't sit around and worry, what if my son doesn't go to college? What if he doesn't get into this? Stop it. Remember, you have a heavenly Father in whom you can put the biggest expectations. Keep it positive. I'm not saying don't notice, you know, something negative, but this discipline of mindfulness is this. Mindfulness teaches us to notice our thoughts and feelings when they drift to the past. What did Paul say? I forget what lies behind, right? Anything that lies behind is in the past. It's behind your butt. You don't want to think about it. Okay? Whenever your mind drifts to the past or it stumbles into the future, what did Jesus say about the future? Don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough evil in its own, even evil in itself. Okay? Or begin to fill us with worry, regret, numbness that distracts from what is going on right in front of you. Every time we can step away from the confusing Twitter stream of thoughts and emotions in our, in our minds and focus on the present moment, today, today, we have opportunity to pull back our attention and practice mindfulness. But we have to notice when our minds wander first into the past or into the future in an unhealthy way. Start focusing on today. Forget what lies behind. Don't worry about what's ahead. Each day has enough evil in of itself. Focus just on today. Folks, you absolutely have to live with this friend Jesus. Imagine, imagine your, the peace potential in your life in the midst of difficulty because you've let the words of Jesus get into your mind and into your heart. Imagine you're having a confidence about you because you put your biggest expectations on God, your Father in heaven not on somebody else in an unhealthy, dependent way. 
And finally, imagine the sense of security and safety you'll have knowing that your advocate, your legal assistant, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus is with you and he's in you. Imagine that. That's how we are not overwhelmed by trouble. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to get a little idea of how Jesus prepares us for difficulty. Help us begin to practice memorizing Scripture. Help us begin to practice putting great expectations on our Heavenly Father. Help us begin to practice replacing anxious thoughts about the past and anxious thoughts about the future, removing them from our mind and focusing on each day and resting in that. If you're here today and you've never made a first-time decision to believe in Jesus, that he died, that he was buried and resurrected from the dead for you, you've never done that, and today you're ready to, right from where you're seated, I just challenge you to say, Jesus, today I believe in you. Come and make your home in me.